Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. G'day and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report and more specifically UFC thoughts and comments. UFC Charlotte taking place uh, this morning Australian time. So started about two in the morning and I kid you not, 10 minutes before the card starts, I'm awake placing a couple of bets and then I wake up and it's fucking eight in the morning. The card's finished. So the card has already taken place, UFC Charlotte at the Spectrum Center, main evented of course by heavyweights Jarzinho Biggie Boy Rosenstrike and Jailton Maladino Almeida. Now I've already put the preview podcast up, picks went a little bit better as well. I said last weekend had an 8-3 record, I said I wanted to go a little bit better, 9-2 record on this card, so <laughs> I went one better. Uh, but the only two fights I got wrong were actually the only two female fights on this card. So unfortunate, but all the male fights I got correct. So head to head at least. But not too much to brag about. I've seen plenty of pics posted uh, as well from other people on Instagram. Uh, a lot of people had quite similar picks. So look, I did get a couple of underdogs, but... So did a lot of people, so I'm not exactly a genius or a magician, and today it's not about my picks, it's about thoughts and comments on the action that takes place on this card. Uh, so we're going to look through the card, starting with the prelims, and then of course main card, which I'll go fight by fight. Now on the main card, there was only one decision, uh, which I'm going to jump into. There were a couple of decisions on the preliminary card, and since the event's already been, and I'm just going back and watching the fights, um, I'm going to just skip the decision fights. Respectfully, sorry, but yeah, I mean, can save myself about at least an hour of time. And yeah, I like myself some finishes. So I'll still discuss the decision results, but let me just put it out there. I haven't watched the decision fights. So where I'm up to, I've just gone through and watched all the finishes on the prelim. Uh, so I'll go through the prelims and the results, and then I'll go fight by fight for the main card. Pretty simple, really. And now there's nothing else to do but get amongst it. Three strikes and you're out. That's what I said in regards to our first fight when I picked the Australian from Innisfail, Jessica Rose Clark, Jessie Jess. She'd been submitted back to back going into this fight. It spent a fair bit of time off as well with an injury. And I said, one more time, we're going to give it a crack. We're going to jump on Jessie Jess and hope she can get the bounce back win. She didn't. That's the third strike. She gets submitted for a third time. And respectfully, I don't think I'm going to pick her again. She's got the K Hansen treatment. Very few fighters uh, gets to the point where I'm just like, all right, no matter who you matched up against, I've I've been burnt enough. And now Jessica Rose Clark burned me again here, but not so much about me. I mean, I tell you who's really burned would be Jessica Rose Clark. So I'm not going to kick someone while they're down after 
would be an emotional defeat. And best of luck to her. I hope Jessie Jess can bounce back. I wonder whether that's at UFC level. Now, she did make a post on Instagram, kind of inferring that she'll be on our screens soon. So maybe she's still got a fight or two left on her deal. Uh, But as far as future predictions, I can't keep wasting picks. I can't keep just going the novelty pick for the homegrown fighter. So I'm fortunate to see Jessica Rose Clark get submitted again. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about Tainara Lisboa. She comes in, she finishes, finishes a UFC veteran. She wins the first two rounds. She gets a finish in the third. Very comprehensive display from a Muay Thai fighter, a striker. She gets the submission. So that is a massive danger sign for Jessica Rose Clark. The fact that a striker can even submit her. But Tainara Lisboa couldn't have asked for a better debut. The Thai Panther, she just displayed much better skills on the feet. Uh, had way more significant strikes and just Jessica Rose Clark didn't really have any answers for her. So very disappointing for Jessica Rose Clark. Again, nobody is going to be more disappointed than Jessica herself. So it's, it's not the time to be throwing any hate out there. I'm not a hater. And hopefully for her sake, she can get back in the winner's column. But again, in the bigger picture, there are more important things as well than the fight game so if she's happy if she's healthy that's a win in itself but yeah really disappointing setback not so for Tainara Lisboa though kicks off the card with a third round submission that leads us in 14 second knockout Brian Battle my guy the first underdog I cashed as well and the only because I put two bets on Jessica Rose Clark and Brian Battle and then I fell asleep I also put a multi on, multi bet, that only lost by one leg. So thanks, Ji-Young Kim. Thanks for nothing. Uh, I need to just stay away from some of these strawweight fights. I really do. Um, Or flyweight, rather. But yeah, Brian Battle, 14-second knockout in his hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina. And at the end of the podcast, I'll go through performance highlights. If Brian Battle hadn't have missed weight... That's 50k right there. That's a performance of the night. Uh, So that's one thing that did mar the display. Like he came in heavy, um, did get the finish, but had an advantage because he didn't cut all that weight. So yeah, that kind of sucked. I didn't enjoy that because I'm a huge fan of Brian Battle. So, and I just don't like when fighters miss weight. If you're going to, if you can't make the weight, then don't drop to welterweight. You know, that's just how I feel about it. Uh, But Brian Battle. 14 second knockout. Gabriel, Gabe Green comes out spamming, looking like he's playing PlayStation for the first time. Just combos just right in the face, rushing Brian Battle. And Brian just clips it. Brian just starts throwing hands, clips him. 14 seconds. One of the fastest knockouts we have seen in a long, long time. And gifted Gabe Green. He's as durable as they come. This is a guy who has gone the distance, even in his losses, against the likes of Daniel Rodriguez and, of course, Ian Machado-Gary. So Gabe Green, here's a guy with a solid chin. This isn't a guy who gets dropped easily. So for Brian Battle to do that was massive. And now for Brian, huge uh, bounce back after his loss last time out. And he really starts to move forward, does the former Ultimate Fighter winner. 
But again, it's just marred by the fact that he missed weight. So, yeah, of course he's going to hit a little bit harder because he hasn't been drained of the same energy that Gabe Green was. So, yeah, wasn't a fan of the weight miss. Huge fan of Brian Pooh Bear battle. Huge fan of a 14-second knockout. I would have fucking probably shit my pants if I had seen that in real time. That would have been a good moment. Uh, Brian Battle, 14-second knockout. Definitely the highlight of the prelims. Then Jiyeon Kim burns me, picks up what I believe is her fifth straight loss uh, over Mandy Bohm, who's burnt me before as well. So this one, it says it went to decision at about two minutes into the third round. So I don't know what happened. And quite frankly, I'm not that interested in going back and looking respectfully they did have a bit of a fiery face-off at the weigh-ins but yeah i didn't watch the fight and i don't plan on doing it respectfully again but mandy bomb the winner by decision doesn't look like it went all three rounds but yeah i'm happy to just live in mystery of what happened there then a catchweight bout douglas silver deandrage in what was originally supposed to be a bantamweight contest, uh, up against Cody Stamen. Now, that was my second underdog pick of the card, Douglas Silver. Gets it done by decision. Didn't watch the fight, so again, not a heap of thoughts on that. But Douglas Silver, he's always in and around that uh, top 15 mix for bantamweight, so next up I reckon they might give him maybe a prospect who's knocking on the door of the rankings. Douglas Silver Deandrage is such a tough test, so good win for him. Then after that, another prediction, I had Carl Williams by decision over Chase Sherman. That's what happened there. Did I watch it? No. No, I didn't. And again, I'm happy to live with the mystery of what went down in this fight. And next time they're scheduled for a fight anyway, I'll go back and watch the tape. So it's not like I'm never going to see this, but on this current particular day, I can live without knowing uh, all the finer details, but Carl Williams by decision over Chase Sherman. Carl Williams, 2-0 under the UFC banner. And heavyweight is looking for some prospects to rise up. So Carl Williams finds himself in a decent position. I mentioned in the preview podcast that there's kind of, respectfully again, uh, the lowest or lower tier of heavyweights. There's the elite tier. And then there's a fair bit going on between, but there's a massive gap. Huge discrepancy between the absolute top tier heavyweights in the UFC and the lowest tier. And again, as respectfully as possible, I mean, this is just going off results. This isn't me being a shit talker or a hater, but a Chase Sherman is on that lowest tier. I'm thinking like Chase Sherman, Jake Collier, Jared Vandera. Um, These are all guys who at different points fought Andre Arlovsky, who he is not in that lowest tier. He, he's a former UFC heavyweight champion. But I always felt like Andre Arlovsky was kind of that litmus test for these guys to prove uh, against a guy who's in his 40s that they're able to step out of that lowest tier, beat a former heavyweight champion, and then be on their merry way through to a push to the rankings. So Chase Sherman, kind of the test here for Carl Williams. Can you beat one of the lower tier opposition of the division well he did got it done by decision Carl Williams has proven that he's a little bit above that level so now we wait and see what's the next test going to be I wonder what Andre Arlovsky's doing actually um I believe he's going to fight again but he did get finished 
in his last outing, so probably taking time to heal up. But Carl Williams continues to move forward in this division. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do, and that's a big win for him. He now has a 9-1 record and going to get a much higher profile fight next up. Then featured prelim, Matt the Immortal Brown ties the record for most knockouts in the UFC. Derek Lewis has 13. Now Matt Brown has 13. Knocks out Court McGee, who up until his last fight against Jeremiah Wells, over 30 fights into his career, gets knocked out for the first time. So Court McGee is durable. He has a chin. He can eat shots. But it was a one-shot knockout from Matt Brown. Just came over the top with the right hand. And Matt Brown knocks out Court McGee. One shot, no follow-up. Court McGee was clearly out. A lot of respect shown by both guys after the fight, which I love to see. And for Matt Brown, at 42 years young, to produce another knockout finish is simply incredible. I was wondering how much power, how much of that signature power does the immortal have left at 42 years of age? Well, that question's been answered. Still has plenty of it. And I'm interested to see who they matchmake him with next. I'd say it sounded like he's probably closing in on the end. He said after the fight in the interview, like, should I come back and chase that knockout record? Which, of course, the fans love that. Uh, so, yeah, let's enjoy Matt Brown while we've still got him in the octagon. And a finish over Court McGee, nothing to be taken lightly. And, yeah, I wonder, well, who would they matchmake him with next? Do they give him an opponent that he could knock out, like that's likely to get knocked out by Matt Brown? Do they give him another older veteran, like a Court McGee, Brian Barbarena? Because, I mean, you can't be giving Matt Brown some absolute fucking beast in their prime because Matt Brown has given himself or given so much of himself physically over the years so there would be a discrepancy in terms of damage accumulated Uh, but maybe they'll match him up with a young stud do they put him up against someone who could knock him out highly likely we saw Drew Dober who was looking to break the lightweight knockout record uh, last weekend got matched up with Matt Frivola who knocked him out and is a fight finisher. So as for what's next for Matt Brown, not exactly sure. But as for what's just happened with Matt Brown, an epic knockout in the featured prelim. He proves he more than truly has still got it. And onward and upward toward that UFC knockout record. Uh, So those were the prelim fights. Um, Went through the finishes, didn't see the decisions. And then, of course, we have five main card fights. Now, the co-main event, Johnny Walker and Anthony Smith, that went to decision. But considering it's the co-main event, I'll, I'll go back and watch it. It holds a little bit more high stakes and a bit more relevance to the division than like a Ji-Yun Kim versus Mandy Bomb. So I will watch that. And I haven't seen any of the main card yet. So in true thoughts and comments fashion, I'm going to go fight by fight. A couple of thoughts before the fight, some comments after. That's why it's called Thoughts and Comments. And now, there's nothing else to do, is there? So let's get amongst it. Okily dokily, neighborino. We're going to jump in to the UFC Charlotte main card opener uh, between Tim Means 
and Alex Morono. A welterweight contest with a little bit at stake, definitely. Alex Morono especially, been in a pretty fine patch of form, working his way toward the rankings. Of course, he was coming off a loss, uh, third round knockout against Santiago Ponzinibbio, but that was a, a very short notice fight, and in the first two rounds, Morono was winning. Now, Tim Means, leading into this one, was coming off back-to-back losses, so the most important thing was to just re-establish his name in the winner's column. Uh, so as far as my thoughts, I had Alex Morono by decision, but Google tells me we get a juicy little second round finish here. So what I'm going to do now, sit down, tune in to Tim Means versus Alex Morono, and I'll be back in literally like two seconds with my thoughts and comments. Okay, like I said, two seconds later, done and dusted. Watch the fight. Uh, second round guillotine choke submission for Alex the Great White Morono. Unfortunate for Tim Means, who now has three consecutive losses, but the Dirty Bird, look, he has runs on the board. He's produced some pretty exciting UFC moments, so hopefully he can bounce back, but this, this moment belongs to Alex Morono, who now finds himself pushing for a spot in the rankings. Now, I don't think this win gets him into the top 15, but he's there or thereabouts. I'm just going to load up the rankings quickly and just have a squiz at the UFC's welterweight ranks. Uh, but Alex Moreno, not only does he get the win, but he gets the finish as well over someone like Tim Means. Although, from memory, uh, going into this one from my preview, I'm pretty sure Means had six submission losses on his record. So now seven. So that was an area that could be exploited. Alex Morono was able to do so. I tell you what, he's not far off because you've got Daniel Rodriguez in 15th, who I'll get to in a moment. He lost on this main card. However, the guy that beat him is probably going to be the one to take that number 15 spot. You've got Michelle Pereira, very exciting fighter, but Alex Morono is closing in, no doubt. Uh, then 13th, Jack Della Maddalena. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Match up against Sean Brady next. Uh, but D-Rod in 15th. So Ian Gary will likely take that spot. But Alex Morono, he cannot be far off. He cannot be far off. Uh, so basically, biggest takeaway from this one is that Alex Morono has a chance for the rest of this year to push toward the top 15. Massive effort for him. And a very impressive finish as well in that second round. Now... Who could he face next? Maybe they put him up against Ian Gary for that spot in the rankings. Uh, but either way, Alex Morono with a career-defining win. He continues to pick up victories. Now, yes, he did lose in his last outing. But before that, I believe it was three straight victories. So he's in fine form at 170 pounds. And Alex Morono starting to make moves. He may not be a household name. He may not be the first guy everyone talks about when it comes to who could be the next to break into the rankings, but on form and on merit, Alex Morono could not be doing much more. So, fantastic win. He is in career best form right now. Congratulations to Alex the Great White Morono. And that led us in to a light heavyweight showdown between Carlos Alberg and Ihor, the duelist Potiera. Ihor coming off a finish of Shogun Rua, whilst Carlos Ulberg. Three straight wins, including two consecutive first-round knockouts. 
and he's a fellow Kiwi from Auckland, New Zealand, as am I. Who cares? No one. Uh, but Carlos Allberg gets it done in the first round, says just over two minutes. So now I'm going to sit down and check it out. That was my prediction as well. I went Carlos Allberg by knockout. Uh, my main thing with Ehor was he got finished in his UFC debut. Then he beat a legend well past his prime, respectfully, but true. Um, yeah, I just said in the preview, I want to see Ehor do that to someone who's actually in their prime. And so I still have a lot of questions over Potiera, who is a fight finisher, no doubt, but again, gets finished by someone. Look, he's had three UFC fights, and two of them he's taken on someone who is either in their prime or at least on the come up, and he lost. And then he had one win over a guy who was already in a poor patch of form, was literally about to retire, and was banged up. Shogun Rua has been through wars, so many wars in that octagon. So, Ihor Pateria, uh, none of those questions I have have been answered, but I do have a question. What the bloody hell happens here? How does Carlos Ulberg get the knockout? There's only one way to find out, isn't there? Uh, so let's launch into it right now. UFC Charlotte, Carlos Blackjag Ulberg taking on Ihor Potiera. I'm going to sit down, watch the fight, and then I'll be back with my thoughts and comments. Make it four consecutive wins for Black Jag. Carlos Ulberg, a finish in just over two minutes. Uh, Potiera came swinging with a huge shot. Just gets hit with a check left hook right to the back of the head. Uh, very technically crisp from Carlos Ulberg. And you can see Pateria, he was loading up with that big shot, whereas Ulberg didn't load up. He was more precise and just used his power. Put Pateria down, uh, hammered away with him, or hammered away at him on the ground, gets up before the fight had actually been stopped, and then circles back to finish it. And no nonsense, Keith Peterson uh, jumps in. So. Yeah, could have could have been a bit pear-shaped there, but I think Carlos Ulberg just knew this guy's done. Why, why continue to punch him in the head? Uh, so that pretty classy from Carlos Ulberg. And as far as the stoppage, one hundred percent, Potiero was knocked out. You see him get back to his feet. He's wobbly, and yeah, still questions remain. He's fucking destroyed most of the competition he's faced. Has Potiero uh, on his road to the UFC? But now that he's at the highest level, it's just, it's a different kettle of fish. It's a totally different ball game. And Carlos Ulberg just head and shoulders better. He's just on a different level. So I spoke in the preview. If Carlos wins this, he's on the trajectory for the rankings. No doubt about that. I don't think this will break him in to the top 15, but gee whiz. On the back of four straight wins, light heavyweight, to be honest, not exactly stacked with contenders right now, could do a lot worse than to give Carlos Blackjag Ulberg a ranked opponent next. I think it's only fair. I think, look, he's had three first round finishes in a row, four consecutive wins. If that doesn't deserve a shot at the top 15, I don't know what does. So Carlos Ulberg, the Kiwi, with a massive win. It was such a quick fight, there's not, not a whole lot I can say about it. Uh, other than Carlos Ulberg, the loss against Kennedy and Zetchiku really seemed to be a turning point. That seemed to kind of teach him the lesson that 
Ihor Potiera seems still yet to learn, and that is don't rush in. Don't rush in looking for the knockout, because you'll get caught. That's exactly what happened to Ihor here. Carlos, since that knockout loss, the only loss of his pro career, he's really turned things around. It seems like that was actually the catalyst for the change that's led him to this point. And Carlos Alberg, he's still a raw talent. He is still growing. This isn't the finished product. This is a star on the rise with so much improvement left in his game, working under the team at City Kickboxing. The future is very bright for Carlos Alberg. And biggest takeaway from that fight, get this man a ranked opponent next. I know he mentioned Alex Pereira. He did mention Alex Poetan Pereira in the lead up to this fight. Of course, Alex not ranked at light heavyweight, former middleweight champion though. So that could be a realistic bout. That might be a fun way to bring Alex Pereira up a division. And of course, you've got an immediate story. Carlos Ulberg, a training partner at City Kickboxing of Israel Adesanya. So you'd have a narrative. And for Alex Pereira, you could say it's a winnable fight, definitely. We've seen Ulberg get knocked out. He's not currently ranked, to the best of my knowledge. Um, I left my phone on the, on the other side of the room, so I'm not going to check the top 15. But pretty sure Carlos isn't ranked. I'll tell you what, after that win, he might just slide in there. Because I know Dustin Jacoby was up toward that like 15th spot. And I think Kennedy and Zechiku will be in the rankings. Um, but potentially this win gets Carlos straight into the rankings. He doesn't even have to fight someone in that 15 to deserve it or to earn it. Because uh, he definitely deserves it. Uh, but Poetan Pereira, that could conceivably be next. That would be a hell of a fight. Uh, but if not, there are a stack of other guys Alberg could face. Someone like the aforementioned Dustin Jacoby. That could be a fun fight. Jacoby with a kickboxing base. Of course, Jacoby actually fought Alex Pereira in kickboxing. Uh, so that's another matchup that could materialize. Uh, but whatever way they decide to go next, Carlos Alberg. He's letting everyone know, he's really announcing himself as a threat within the division. And other light heavyweights, they're going to be looking over their shoulders because Black Jack, he's getting first round finishes. He is so impressive, so much power in the hands, and he's still young. This is realistically only the beginning for Black Jack. So hugely exciting moment for a fight that was initially going to be on the preliminary card, uh, but with the scratching of Angela Hill, Mackenzie Dern, Move to next weekend's main event. Uh, that led to Ulberg getting a shot on the main card. Has a huge moment in front of the Charlotte crowd. Get this man an opponent with a number next to their name. Or Alex Pereira. Either way, fun fights in the future of Ulberg. And his best win yet as he continues to rack up the Ws. This is a contender. This is a top prospect right here. So Carlos Ulberg, definitely one to keep an eye on. And that leads us in to the next fight. Only three fights remaining on this card. And we lead in to a welterweight showdown between D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez, looking to bounce back from a submission loss against Neil Magny at the end of last year, up against the undefeated prospect in Kilcliffe FC's Ian Machado Gary, an undefeated Irishman going into this one. It was easily... The biggest test of his career to date. Massive step up in competition against a dangerous opponent very capable of shutting the Irishman's lights out. 
Going into this one, I had Ian Gary by decision. He ends up getting a finish. The first time Daniel Rodriguez has been finished by strikes as well. So this intrigues me a lot. I did say in the preview, I see Machado Gary winning, but I thought it was going to be really hard to get D-Rod out of there. I thought if anyone was going to get the finish, it was going to be Rodriguez. So full credit to Ian Gary, who now goes 12-0. and 0. I haven't watched the fight, so I mean, there's nothing else to do, is there? We're going to get amongst it right now. Ian Machado Gary up against Daniel Rodriguez. I'll be back in a moment with my thoughts and comments. Holy Ireland. Head kick. Wasn't a flush knockout, but head kick. And then some punches to follow. That was a remarkable finish from Ian Machado Gary. 12-0, still undefeated. The seventh knockout on his record as well. This kid could really be the future. As he says he is, he's taken his time. Like he did have a couple of decision wins over Gabe Green and Darian Weeks. Now if he finishes those... He probably moves a lot faster within the division. Uh, But to be honest, he's accrued a lot of really valuable octagon experience from a couple couple of those fights. Can't speak English. Fucking hell. Um, And going into this one, he was coming off a TKO win. Gets another finish over Daniel Rodriguez, who going into this one had never been knocked out. Uh, So just phenomenal performance for Ian Machado Gary. And given the fact that D-Rod sits 15th in the welterweight ranks, Ian Machado Gary, we have a new competitor in the welterweight top 15. And as for how far this kid can go, well, there's really no ceiling right now, is there? I'm really interested to see who they match make Gary with next. Do they make him fight backwards uh, now that he's in the top 15? Or do they immediately start matching him up with guys in front of him? Very curious to see what goes down there, but it's become very clear. Ian Machado Gary is the real deal. This was the exact kind of assignment that was going to give us an idea of where this prospect was at. Yes, he's had wins in the UFC up to this point, but the caliber of opponents, respectfully, just nowhere near uh, Daniel Rodriguez and what he brings to the table. So for Ian Machado Gary to finish him, to get him with a head kick and get him out of there within the first round, that's remarkable. I'm truly impressed. Some of the questions I had over Ian Machado Gary definitely being answered here. Good showing of respect by both of the guys after the fight. Um, I saw a video, I think it was on D-Rod's Instagram, uh, as he was trying to leave the arena. Dana White just let him know, like, you know, you're still the man. You're still a fucking, you're still a guy. We got your back. So D-Rod... Very disappointing loss. He's been finished in his last two outings. But I I think I speak for everyone. Cannot wait to see Rodriguez back in the octagon. He always brings the fire. Uh, But this moment, it belonged to the young upstart from Killcliffe FC, Ian Machado Gary. How far can this kid go? Really excited to see what's next for him. He's also had a high level of activity, which leads me to believe we'll be seeing Ian Gary in that octagon much sooner rather than later. So I think we'll see a pretty quick backup for Ian Machado Gary. I reckon if all things go well, he can probably get another two fights in this year. And who knows? Maybe as we head into 2024, Ian Machado Gary 
he could be a real name we start talking about. Now, obviously, the title picture is, has been decided for the short term. Colby's next, Bilal's after. Who knows what Ian Gary can do in the time it's going to take for Colby to get his shot, for Bilal to get his shot. Ian Gary, by the time we're next looking for a contender, could he be in the mix? Very exciting prospect and welterweight. It's starting to really pick up. We had Kamaru holding the division down for the longest time. You had Jorge Masvidal and his star power. Of course, Tyron Woodley was one of the stars of the division. And Colby Covington, who just won't piss off. He just sticks around, uh, around the top of the rankings, getting title shots without really beating anyone. I mean, he's beating some fucking awesome guys. But at the same time, as of right now, only one of the guys Colby has beaten recently is in the top 15. Oh, is it even in the UFC? Sorry. Is even in the fucking UFC? Sorry. So yeah, Colby, look, he'll get the title shot next. And to be honest, yeah, he probably is the best guy in the division without a belt. But yeah, I don't like it. You look at Bilal and how many wins it's taken him to get the title shot. And there are so many other emerging stars. Ian Machado Gary has thrown his name in the mix. And like I said, the championship, Leon Edwards, his next defense is set against Colby. Bilal is after. So that gives these guys like your Sean Brady's, your Jack Della Maddalena's, uh, your Ian Machado Gary's, plenty of time to string enough wins together to the point that when we're next looking for who's going to be that number one contender, Ian Machado Gary... He's not ranked right now. Next week he'll be in the top 15. Where's he going to be by the time we're looking for the next title shot? Very exciting future ahead for Ian Machado Gary. To finish D-Rod the way he did was just something I didn't quite expect. I really didn't. Ian Machado Gary is a stud and it seems like the hype is real. 12-0 and onward and upward for Ian Machado Gary. One of a thousand fighters to have the future as their nickname. When's someone going to come out with a nickname like the past or the present? Always the future with these fuckers, isn't it? But I mean, kind of checks out, doesn't it? Looks like Ian Machado Gary could be the future. Now, it's the first guy, really credible name he's beaten. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves, but he's on the right track. Couldn't really ask for much more from him, Ian Machado Gary getting that W, and leading us in to the co-main event. The only decision fight on this card that I am going to watch. I'm not going to do too much of a fight breakdown itself, but given that Anthony Smith ranked 5th heading into this one, Johnny, uh, Johnny Walker ranked 7th, this holds a lot of relevance in terms of future title shots. Yuri Prohaska most likely next against Jamal Hill, but other than that, there's no real clear next up. And I said in the preview podcast, Johnny Walker is on a tear. He's on that trajectory where it could maybe, just maybe, be Johnny Walker who gets himself a title shot sooner rather than later. Uh, Now, Johnny Walker got this one done by decision. Like I said, though, haven't seen the fight yet. I did see a post on Instagram uh, during the fight where Anthony Smith's like talking to Johnny Walker and he was saying something like you're trying to something my family you're trying to fucking i don't know i can't remember what he said 
I'll, I'll remember it. But yeah, he was saying something to Johnny Walker, like you're trying to fucking take money from my family or something. Let me just fucking pull it up if I can find it. Actually, it can't be fucked. But yeah, he was like, basically just like, you're trying to take my family or you're trying to fucking take this from me. Johnny Walker's like, what? What are you talking about? And you, the listener of this podcast, is probably like, what are you talking about? Because I've done a very fucking poor job of explaining it. So why don't we just launch into this co-main event? I'm going to sit down now, watch all 15 minutes of action, and I'll be back after the fight with my thoughts and comments. All right, just finished the co-main event. To be honest, the fight itself was, eh. I kind of struggled to stay engaged with it. I don't know, it was like not the action that I was expecting, to be fair. No disrespect to either man, but Johnny Walker getting the win. One judge had it 29-28, the other two 30-27. So very clear-cut win. Probably the highlight of that was afterwards. Johnny Walker jumps over the cage and walks out to Jamal Hill in the crowd. Not in a in an aggressive way, very respectful, but certainly letting the champ know. I want to run it back. Of course, Jamal Hill absolutely floored Johnny Walker when they met in the main event uh, of a fight night. But now, well, Walker's going to take that fifth spot from Anthony Smith. And Yuri Prohaska, undoubtedly next if he's healthy. Uh, but looking through the rankings, so Walker will be fifth. Alexander Rakic, fourth. Coming off a loss, we haven't seen him in action for quite some time. Jan Blahovic in third. Magomed Ankalaev in second. They fought for the title against each other uh, and came to a draw. So, yeah, maybe Magomed Ankalaev might just have his nose in front for next title shot after Yuri. Or if Yuri's not healthy, maybe Ankalaev uh, up against Hill. But other than that, Johnny Walker's probably the clearest contender. He's on a run of very good form at the moment. He's been racking up wins. And I don't see any reason as to why Johnny Walker doesn't deserve a shot at the belt. Now, Yuri Prohaska. If he's fit, heel versus Prohaska. That's what we want to see, right? So, in my opinion, Johnny Walker, one more fight, one more win, and I reckon he's the number one contender. So I'd say, as for what's next, I reckon we see Johnny Walker back in a five-round main event. Probably title eliminator as well. I'm not sure exactly... As far as scheduling, um, like who in the top 10 is matched up already. And looking through the rankings, like there's not heaps of contenders. Like behind Johnny Walker, 6th Nikita Krylov or Krylov. He's probably Krylov versus Walker. I think they've already faced each other, but Krylov is actually on a fair bit of a run himself as well. So Nikita Krylov, Johnny Walker in the mix, Volkan Uzdemir. Not in the mix for a title shot. Paul Craig, not in the mix. Got knocked out by Johnny Walker. Ryan Spann, not in the mix. Got finished by Nikita Krylov. Uh, and then outside the top 10, like, you're not really going to get a title shot from outside the top 10. Azamat Mosakhanov. Now, there's a fresh face who's definitely capable of making a run. Uh, you've got Dominic Reyes in 12th. Uh, don't know if he's going to be ranked for that much longer. Khalil Roundtree Jr., an absolute, absolute stud, but absolute, can't speak English. Uh, Khalil Roundtree Jr., absolute stud, but 
Yeah, I don't know. It would take him a fair, fair few more wins to actually get to the title shot. Jimmy Crute coming off a draw. Dustin Jacoby coming off a loss. So Johnny Walker, probably Walker and Krilov have the best case out of anyone for the next title shot after Yiri. So they've already fought, so maybe they give Walker a fresh matchup. But for Johnny Walker, he's in the best form of his career right now. Win over number five in Anthony Smith. So he's going to be positioned in that division's top five. And Johnny Walker on the trajectory for a title shot. Interested to see what's next. Uh, But as for the fight, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I did go, though, and find out what Anthony Smith was saying, what I was trying to explain very poorly before. He was saying, you're attacking my family. He's like, you're attacking my family. Johnny Walker's like, huh? He's like, you're attacking my family. Johnny Walker's like, what? So yeah, Anthony Smith, weird kind of mindset to have to dig deep to that level in the second round. But I don't know what the go was there. Was it, there was a nut shot Johnny Walker did. There was a nut shot. So maybe that was why he's saying you're attacking my family. But yeah, I don't know. Fight itself, not super noteworthy. Johnny Walker's win though, very noteworthy. As I've just explained, he's in the mix. He's in title calculations. So big, big win for the Brazilian Now we're going to move on to another big win for another big Brazilian. The main event, heavyweight action, Jarzinho, Biggie Boy Rosenstrike, Jailton, Maladinho, Almeida. And yeah, it was a first round submission finish for Jailton. I haven't gone and watched it yet. That's exactly what I'm about to do. Uh, So let's sit down and watch the main event. My pick was Jailton by technical knockout. But I did say I was thinking submission all week I just felt like maybe like Biggie Boy has a pretty thick neck so I just thought maybe he's going to try for the submission if he can't get it just posture up and hammer down fists but looks like he did get it first round submission Jelton Almeida keep tabs on this guy this is a guy who is ripping through the division on his way maybe just maybe toward a title shot I love what I see this dude the hype is unbelievable. I am fully on the bandwagon. Jalton Almeida, Jarzinho Rosenstrike. I'm going to sit down, watch this UFC Charlotte main event, and then I'll be back with my thoughts and comments. Well, that was just all too simple for the big fella. And I say big fella because Jalton. Even though he's competed previously at light heavyweight, the guy is a beast, such a physical specimen. The fact that he towers over someone like Jarzinho Rosenstrike is just unbelievable. Now, Rosenstrike fired off a big shot early, but as expected, it didn't take long for Jailton to get it to the mat. Once he did, realistically, just two options for Biggie Boy. You either give your back, potentially get choked out, which he did, or you know, you let, you let Jarlton have full mount and just rain down shots. So basically a lose-lose situation for Jairzinho. Still a massive fan of his as a fighter. Honestly, I reckon Jarlton would have done that to at least anyone in the top 15 behind uh, Jairzinho. There's no doubt about that. Now with that win, that, this means we're going to see Jarlton move into ninth position in the top 10. So this guy is well and truly making a run for a title shot. And when you look at the top 10, 
You've got Marcin Tadbura in 10th. He's going to take on the 5th ranked Tom Aspinall. Uh, Sergei Spivak in 8th. I don't think he's had another fight announced just yet. That realistically uh, would be a fun fight. Now, Jailton called for Tai Tuivasa, which huge fan of Tai, but yeah, I'm not too sure I like that matchup. But Tai ranked 6th, so that makes sense as well. Maybe that's what we get. Wouldn't be surprised if we get Tuivasa uh, up against Jalton Almeida. Alexander Volkov could be another option. Curtis Blades just coming off a knockout, so I don't know how soon we'll see him. Stipe Jones for the title. You've got Cyril Garn and Sergei Pavlovich. Uh, so a fair bit going on. Potentially the Taito Avasa matchup next. I don't mind that, but the main event was over before it really began. First round submission for Jailton Almeida uh, with the rare naked choke. And with that, he moves forward big time. This is a guy uh, in that top 10 that I probably have as the biggest threat. Alongside Sergei Pavlovich, I reckon Pavlovich and Almeida. Alongside a healthy Tom Aspinall, I reckon those are the guys that are yet to have a title shot that are on that trajectory. So Jailton Almeida closes out UFC Charlotte with an emphatic finish over Jarzinho Biggie Boy Rosenstrike. And basically, thoughts and comments on that. I already said I'm a huge fan of Jailton Almeida. Even before this fight, I had... I could kind of see this was the way it was going. Jazinia Rosenstrike, an elite fighter. But Jailton Almeida, he's just built different. The skills that he has on the ground, just phenomenal. He always finds a way to get his opponent to the mat. So the time where he comes up against someone that he can't get down to the mat, that's where things probably get interesting. But he has so much strength, so much power. His Brazilian jiu-jitsu is off the charts. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to stop Jailton Almeida. And it makes a lot of sense why John Jones talking about probably retiring after the Stipe Miocic fight. He's the greatest of all time. I, I don't even think that's up for dispute. John Jones is the greatest of all time. Uh, but I'd probably think of retiring too if I had to fight Sergei Pavlovich or Jailton Almeida. I think Jones can see some of these guys that are starting to emerge and maybe feels like the right time to bow out is with a win over Stipe Miocic. Uh, but personally, I mean, John Jones, Sergei Pavlovich, yes please. John Jones, Jailton Almeida, yes fucking please. Tom Aspinall, John Jones, yes please. So if he does retire, it's certainly not for a lack of appealing matchups, but at the same time, Jones has earned the right to call it when he decides fit. He's fought the best of the best. He's fought the biggest killers uh, that his division, first light heavyweight, now heavyweight, has had to offer. And so, yeah, as far as John Jones, if he does retire, it's not like he's scared of Sergei Pavlovich, Jailton Almeida, etc., uh, etc. Et More so that he just feels it's the right time to go out. But there are a few contenders that are emerging that are emerging. There are a few guys that look like championship material. Jailton Almeida is undoubtedly one of them. I have such huge raps on the guy. I knew he was going to take Jarzinho down. Didn't know if he'd be able to finish him as quickly as he did, but passed the test with flying colors, gets it done over a top 10 opponent, and now Jailton Almeida 
moves into that top 10 himself. So what a night for the Brazilian. In the main event and co-main event, we had some very charismatic Brazilians. They love to dance. They got a lot of personality. So they got that star factor, no doubt about it. Huge wins for Johnny Walker and Jailton Almeida. Both look like they're on track to get that title shot. But other than that, given the nature of how fast the main event went by, not a whole lot to break down of the fight. Biggest takeaway, no doubt, Jailton Almeida is a contender. This guy's a title contender. He has a great level of activity. We've already seen him plenty of times since he made his debut. And now with a win over Jairzinho Rosenstrike, the only real problem Jailton's going to have is finding an opponent who's willing to take the fight. Because now I think, I think everyone's starting to clue on to just how good this guy is. So as a massive title of Arsa fan, I don't want to see that next. But it does make sense. Makes a lot of sense. Ty's looking for a fight. Jailton will be looking for an opponent ahead of him in the rankings. So if I had to pick right now, I'd say maybe that's the fight we get. Ty Tuivasa up against Jailton Almeida. But we'll have to wait and see. Other than that, that's been thoughts and comments. Uh, a bit of a shorter podcast today, uh, just given that I had to watch it on replay, didn't get to see everything live and give live reactions at the time. Usually, I would finish the podcast with performance highlights, like performances of the night, top prospect, fight of the night, uh, moment of the night, things like that. And I'm still going to put that together. I'm just going to be posting that over on our Instagram. So if you want to see my performances of the night, top prospects, things like that, uh, head over to our Instagram at not just a sports report. It's all going to be up there. And yeah, I just felt like, why not? 50 minutes in and I just thought now's a good time to cut it. So I'll be posting the performance highlights. Usually I do them on the podcast and that will still be uh, a thing going forward. But today... I just thought, you know, let's just bang out a uh, short, sharp, and sweet thoughts and comments. Now, given that I'm working next weekend, there won't be a thoughts and comments for the Mackenzie Dern, Angela Hill card, but there will be a predictions podcast. Now, the card, respectfully, doesn't excite me a whole lot. Huge fan of Mackenzie Dern. Love myself some Angela Hill. Uh, but as far as a main event, like, that doesn't getting me going too much. Like, if I could give a good example, if the main event was at 6am, I wouldn't set an alarm to get up and watch it. But Mackenzie Dern, a world-class grappler, Angela Hill, pretty solid in all areas, and she's always been in the mix as far as contenders at strawweight, but she's never really been able to break through. So it's a very important clash uh, as far as the women's strawweight division goes. But given just that it's at the apex, the card itself isn't thrilling me. Uh, now, Stephen Ursek, Australian flyweight, was going to be opening that card. Uh, but unfortunately, that fight has been postponed due to visa issues. So the main fight I was keen on has been scratched. So I'm going to do the predictions podcast, but it's going to be a shorter format. It's going to be just more rapid predictions. Like... Very basic things like what's the fighter's professional record, recent form, uh, what's their gym, and then prediction. I just feel like the card doesn't excite me a lot. 
So most times I can get super pumped from top to bottom. There are always fights on the prelims that get me pumped. And look, this card still does have some fights I'm keen on, but as far as breaking it down uh, in fine detail, I just feel like next weekend's Apex card, the predictions podcast would be better off just as a nice quick one. So expect that during the week. It's going to be a rapid predictions podcast for the next fight night. Mackenzie Dern up against Angela Hill. And other than that, this has been Thoughts and Comments. If you enjoyed today's podcast, best way to support Not Just a Sports Report is to either follow us over on Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report. You'll be able to see the performance highlights from this UFC Charlotte card. Or you can simply follow us on your preferred podcast platform. You'll be able to see as soon as the Fight Night Predictions pod drops uh, during this coming week. But that's it for today. I've done my dash, given some thoughts and comments on each fight, and we've emerged from this card with some fun finishes, some genuine title contenders, and some fresh faces starting to make a name for themselves. So it's been a great card, thoroughly enjoyed it, great to have a crowd for fight nights. I like the Apex, I really do, but we're getting to the point now where it's like, what's the use? What's the use in the Apex, really? I I like watching fights there, but much prefer having a crowd. And yeah, it's just, I don't know, it just feels a bit cheap. And then you go look at like Bare Knuckle FC and their production's off the charts. You go look at One Championship, phenomenal production. So the UFC are supposed to be leading the way. They're supposed to be the biggest stage in mixed martial arts. So the Apex takes away from that a lot. I wouldn't mind seeing fight nights where you've got kind of guys and girls who are looking to still prove themselves as like a little kind of cauldron. And if you can win in the apex and get a finish, then you deserve a spot in front of a crowd. Uh, But other than that, I don't see the need for seasoned veterans uh, to be fighting in the octagon, uh, in the apex rather. It's just, it's good for a watching product, but... Now that the crowds are back, I don't, I don't see a great need for the Apex. So the Apex paired with a strawweight main event of Dern and Angela Hill, that is going to get a rapid predictions podcast. So unlike this outro, the predictions will be fast. Uh, this outro dragging on like a motherfucker. So let's call it now. UFC Charlotte, thoughts and comments. That has been it for today. And until the predictions podcast, have a wonderful week and a bloody prosperous life. I don't fucking know what I'm saying. Let's call it. Have a prosperous life? Fucking okay, Gandhi. Gee whiz, settle down, mate. Uh, But yeah, thanks for listening. Have a ripper of a week.